Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite Road Rager. But before we get into this uh, <laughs> of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to preview WWE Dynamite. I'm sorry, AEW Dynamite. Who'd make that sort of mistake? Uh, and Road Rager tonight. How are you feeling, Sidgwick? Oh, I've got a lot of thoughts. This might get a little bit long-winded and directionless, so bear with me. The first thing is wrestling is coming back in front of fans, indoor fans, and the Delta variant is on the rise, and it's all a bit scary, and there's an asterisk next to literally everything in life right now. I veer between, you know what, as far as far as my understanding goes, every adult in America has basically had the opportunity to get double vaxxed. So anti-vaxxers and lockdown supporters are not the same people. Either people are vaxxed or people don't want to get vaxxed and everything wants to be open. So fine, I guess, mm. even though it's still very precarious, all of this, and a wrestling promoter doesn't tell you when a pandemic's over just doesn't happen. So there's still a tiny part of me that's a little bit on edge about all of this happening. I'll have to put that out there. Two, we've just spent a couple of minutes on this podcast talking about the upcoming England game tonight. Just basically terrified. The way I put it was, yeah, we're the better team. We're in great form. There's huge morale and belief in this squad. And my anxieties are basically based on the fact that about 15 years ago, Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard couldn't play together in the middle. I've got nothing to do with anything, but that's just the life of a football fan. Because in football, no matter how good a team is, no matter how solid a unit they are, no matter what great form they're in, you cannot control the outcome. In pro wrestling, Hmm. the emulation of sport, it's better than sport because you can control the outcome to please your fans. Tonight is hopefully going to be one of the better TV shows of the year, and wrestling's great, and I'm going to love all of it. One thing before we get into the nitty-gritty of the matches themselves, I want to talk about the set. I want this to look outrunny. I want this to look like 1984 with the colour aesthetics 
and a little bit of like fluorescent light tubes and stuff. I basically, if this looks like 1984, I'm going to tear my cock off before the Young Bucks do a Canadian Destroyer. <laughs> it's, I think it's like worth like kind of like measuring expectations against like the last time they were out on the road with these shows because I was hoping for all that too. And I've just managed to temper my expectations a little bit, remembering that like Bash on the Beach amounted to like a few surfboards, a couple of deck chairs, a couple of women, no men, but a couple of women in uh, in beachwear. Uh, it's as much, uh, I've tweeted about this already, I'm going to be on those hashtags all afternoon. I want arena pictures. I want queuing fans. I share all of Sidgwick's like very sort of conscientious concerns about the state of play currently in the world. But I am also blind to them because it's pro wrestling. And the thing, like, the thing I like the best is back. Um, Will Bourne, before the pod, you asked, how are we all feeling for tonight? I said excited because I forgot England were playing because I was thinking about this yeah. wrestling show. Like, this is, a, like, it's almost gone. I can't believe it, actually, after 16 months. It's, it, it's almost flown under the radar a bit, save for AEW's amazing video package last week. Had they not run that video package, I think even they're mindful of not wanting to be the ones who are, like, officially cutting the ribbon on the new normal. Like, they know how much of a bad look it is to say, hey, the wrestling company says the pandemic's over. Go back to doing what you like. So they're almost, like, amazing promotions, some big matches, all the stuff we're going to talk about. But it doesn't feel like, say, when WWE were touting WrestleMania, that one year, one month, one day stuff. Like, we've brought the world back. Socially distanced here at WrestleMania. AEW haven't done their version of that because I think they know what a potential bad look it is while there's variants, while ultimately the pandemic's still at large, like all over the world. Um, I'm putting all of that in a box to one side because I'm just too excited about how it looks. It's a great looking arena as well. Like the the ticket layout that you can view online is almost like a, a theatre shape, which I'm like, I can't wait to see how that plays on television. I am... I'm parking my concern. Look, we were bollocked like over a year ago. I remember doing those podcasts and we were getting grief in the comments. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, why are you caring so much about the pandemic? Just trust the wrestling companies to do what they're supposed to do. I'm, I'm not getting bollocking second time around. Like, <laughs> wear, a, wear a frigging mask, but like cheer underneath it and make some noise. Yeah, and get a vaccine. Easy peasy. Aye, needle in your arm and mask on your face and go to the show. It really is that simple, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, hell of a card to look forward to, as well as, uh, like you say, the return of fans. Just so exciting. There was a, a moment I mentioned, Sage, before we start recording, where QT Marshall says he wants to, you know, embarrass and mess up Cody Rhodes in this South Beast strap match in front of a packed house. And like you say, it's a bit like watching the Italian celebrations last night. I was like, oh, what a wonderful moment. There they are winning on penalties after Jorginho mugs off the uh, Simon, the uh, Spanish goalkeeper. Well, let's see what this looks like in Rome. I'll tell you what that looks like. That looks like a super spreader event if I've ever seen it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about this. But anyway, uh, let's start with uh, one of the headline matches of the night uh, and really well built on the road to Sige. Uh, the street fight, the Young Bucks versus Penta El Zero, Miedo and Eddie Kingston for the AEW tag titles. The first time uh, Young Bucks in a long while lost a match and certainly lost any of those ones where you have to win the match to qualify for a tag team title match. Could they lose the titles tonight? No. <laughs> I thought so. But we say this often, good wrestling booking is largely predictable. Great wrestling transcends any sort of weird take that, good predictable wrestling is bad because in the moment it will feel anything but unpredictable uh predictable rather i'm so high on the prospect of this match not only have you got the inbuilt 
oh Christ, they've beat them before and they will probably convince me all over again that they will beat the Young Bucks again. But what a goddamn stipulation. I think this is a make-up for the fact that they're not getting the Miami crowd for obvious reasons, a crazy uh, stunt match. So who better than the Young Bucks to do that? And that's a legitimate question. Not only are they the best pure tag team um, of all time, in my opinion, but they are also absolutely tremendous at these absolutely demented wars. Young Bucks and PWG, just total wild matches, just sending fans into meltdown with the absolutely batch crazy stuff that they could do. Complementing that um, genre is Eddie Kingston's brawling. Like it won't, Young Bucks are so great that they are, like their stuff looks overtly spectacular, but it's always so well constructed within the genre. And yet Eddie Kingston's such a great brawler that the actual fight hatred, we're having a brawl, we're having a scrap element will be there. Penta is a lunatic as well. Mm. Like he loves dropping people on their heads. It's going to be dropping people on their heads via tables, possibly via ladders, suspended ladders. Like, this is going to be absolute chaos and I cannot wait for it. And there will be no ta- tag team title switch. Yeah, I thought not. I, I, I'm buzzing for this match. But like you say, it's simultaneously terrified. I remember when we had Penta in WCPW and he had some sort of street fighty hardcore match. And uh, the person he was facing, he put did a package pile driver on them on like a full collection of chairs. And I think it was clear he turned to me and went, that lad's meant to be driving us home tonight. <laughs> it's going to be wild, this. But no title switch for you either, Hamplet. Sorry, can I just interject no. with one thing because I forgot it and it will escape my head. What I would love to see here, because I don't think it's going to be a title switch and you kind of want to send your first non-Jacksonville crowd home happy. What I would love to see at the end of it, right, is basically what they want you to do and experience is we're back on Wednesdays, we're back in front of fans. Here's something like insane to make you want to come back because this is happening every week. Mm. I would love to see one of those early dynamite brawls where Kazarian's out and like maybe Moxley returns and just all of this controlled chaos and it's still happening as it goes off the air. Sorry, Hamlet, go on. No, it's hard because I don't really have much to add. Like I'm, I don't think they're going to lose either, but I genuinely think like AW deserves a little bit of credit for even making the match seem interesting. Like we like weren't previewing this with a, this exact combination with a great deal of enthusiasm last week and they've done match to build a match and I'm more hyped for the sequel. Like a really impressive effort last week to build the hype effectively for this match. And, you know, everything's kind of subjects touched upon there. I can only echo. Um, I don't see a title change, but I don't see it mattering. Um, the fact that the, there are, it's, it's not the most captivating stuff, but there are enough spin-off elements like the people that could run in or the other feuds that could just add. It's more a vibe that it'll create and more that, that chaotic vibe more than one single storyline I'm particularly interested in spinning off from it. I like I like picturing the atmosphere that this will generate in my head. It's, it's what I think about. It's what I thought about a lot when I think about pro wrestling crowds and normal and all of that sort of stuff. There are many different versions of how that's going to be great. And I think this is just going to be one of them. We've also got the AEW in-ring debut of Andrade El Idolo to look forward to this evening. He's such an absolute piece that he can make saying effectively, Matt, what's his name? Sexy? I don't understand it. It, it makes me feel weird. But anyway, um, 
I mean, the perfect first opponent, first of all, Hamfler. Uh, how do you see this one going down? I mean, yeah, perfect in every sense in this fact that, like, Sidal is... It might be generous to call him a scalp, but it's a win that matters because Sidal's featured recently as somebody that can still go, that can still do it. And he's been undermined here by Andrade, who so far, his confidence is all false. It's all projected. And tonight we're going to see if he can back up what he said, which we presume he will. He's going to look awesome because the one pictures of him, like the one picture they did around of him in his gear, he'd looked like, I think we, I can't remember if it was this, I made the comparison to, but like giant gold Homer in the Simpsons. <laughs> like he just, just like this giant, like I just like more dominant, powerful and massive than anyone else in the world. So like, like he's gonna have his top off, which has been necessary for the last few weeks. That's gonna be class. Um, the match will be like, please let this bang, please let this bang, because a couple of interesting things have happened in the last sort of week, and very little has actually been directly related to Andrade himself. The build and introduction of this character has been pretty poor, but AEW typically rebound from that in grand fashion. But it's we're not getting Zelina Vega. That wasn't the surprise last week. In fact, the surprise I believe was something they kind of just went quiet about and then that like that disappeared from the conversation but like aside from that match and how she would have slotted in nicely in place of Vicky Guerrero it's quite sad that we're not getting her because they were such an awesome act like that aside from the speculation for that match the cool thing about Zelina Vega coming in would have been awesome reunite them two they're a, they're a mint pair they were good for each other that's not happening now maybe it's nice to draw a line under that as the final piece of the false start. And maybe this is the proper start for Andrade. It's gonna, we're going to find out in this match that he doesn't need Zelina Vega. He obviously doesn't need Ricky Guerrero either. He just needs to have bangers like what this will hopefully be and look like Andrade. This will go such a long way to separating Andrade from the chat about Andrade that we've had over the last month. Am I excited about this match? Oh, my wellness. I mean, oh, my goodness, am I excited <laughs> this? If I'm booking this right, I'm going 12 minutes. I don't need four to five to six minutes of Andrade doing the spots, looking great in the process and quite handily putting Matt Seidel away. Like, I don't think Andrade, like he's done so well to learn English and he was so driven to do it when he kind of knew he was damned in WWE regardless. So like, good on him for that. Um to try and get over, even when like, it was kind of not looking remotely possible for him at that time. He's now in a company that will recognise his talent, and if he can match what he did in 2018, yes, he will get over. I think the best vehicle with which to do that is bangers. It just is. like As well as he's done to learn English, and as much as he can project his star power just simply by wearing clothes, <laughs> he can't possibly, just because the standard's so high, like compare with the best mic men and women in that company. So he's going to be the banger guy. He's going to be the guy who looks like a star and who wrestles like a super worker. And I genuinely think we need evidence of that tonight. It's looking hopeful. Well, at least if you share that opinion, um, it's a five match card and I can't imagine Cassidy and um, Statlander versus the blade and the bunny getting much time. So I expect a decent amount of time to be allocated to this. As I said, people need to be reminded so there's this like idea of Andrade that's kind of evaporated in the three years since he was just on scintillating form on NXT. He had some decent um, matches. And in fact, he had some very, very good matches with Rey Mysterio on SmackDown, but better memory, distant memory. Mm. I want him to go the distance and a total banger that's four-star level to make everyone, myself included, remember, oh, Christ, 
I basically want to emerge from this match fantasy booking all the dream matches Andrade can have. He's going to win, obviously. Mm. Um, but I want to see a banger more than I want to see a strong individual showcase. Yeah, I just hope this in-ring debut is better than any time they debuted a new version of that stable he had with Zelina Vega on the main roster in WWE, as me and <laughs> talked about. But that's a stigma he's got now. He's yeah. a stigma of a just a guy. Mm. I want to see the super worker, and I want to see 10 minutes minimum of that super worker in the ring. And I'll just say this before I say what I'm about to say. I, I will say, I really like Matt Seidel. He's a lovely bloke when I got to chat to him. But I do hope he gets proper nailed with that spinning back elbow. I know, obviously, Andrade isn't the only one who does that. But in my opinion, he's one of the few people who does it well. And I think it is so good. It comes out absolutely nowhere. And uh, yeah, mouth-watering this prospect. Um, Sorry, one more thing. I know I've been interrupting a lot. But this is going to help with your copy, Wilborn. Go on. This is going to help with your copy. Dark Twitter rumours suggest that Tommy End, not Zelina Vega, is this planned surprise. How Gothlad and Superstud match up as a pairing, I've got no idea. But Tony Khan is previous in putting two people together he didn't think would necessarily match up and getting them over. But that's a Dark Twitter rumour. And there was a separate, potentially related rumour that an undisclosed recent released WWE talent mm-hmm. had negotiated themselves out of the, um, what's it called? The no, compete. The no compete. So maybe we'll see the surprise that was teased two weeks ago tonight. And maybe that ties, uh, tease will be Tommy End. Oh, oh, ambassador, you're spoiling us. Particularly... As long as he doesn't talk. As long as he doesn't talk. <laughs> Particularly on a night, uh, Sige, with a South Beach strap match Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall uh I messaged you earlier because I treated myself to re-watching uh the lashing that Cody Rhodes took at the hands of MJF just before the bad time started um as part of that sensational build towards revolution um and I didn't realize as well that that was the same night and I now appreciate that far more having gone through lockdown and, and Michael Sidgwick's excellent advice on film choices that that was actually followed. That episode of AEW was followed by Point Break. Jesus. Um, but anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. South Beach strap match. Um, touch all four all four corners of the ring, unbroken, uh, you know, routine. That's what they have to do. Uh, QT Marshall has promised that he ain't going to stop at 10 in terms of whipping Cody Rhodes. Oh, this is going to be a painful, wince-inducing watch, isn't it, Sige? Yes. I'm still a Cody guy when I gather from my own skewed timeline that not as many people are as there were last year, the year before. I also really liked Cody versus QT Marshall of Blood and Guts. I generally thought that was a really, really, really good TV match. I'm in two minds about what I think um, about this match, and I've got one nagging anxiety. On one hand, ordinarily, I don't like the four corners bit. I just don't like it. However, in front of a what is, this, what is effectively a brand new market mm-hmm. who, if they watched wrestling and they did watch AEW wrestling in early 2019, it feels like a lifetime ago, not two years, because in the preceding two years, it felt like they couldn't do anything like this ever again. It's essentially a brand new market, hopefully massively up for a crowd. They might like the crowd participation element of the four corners and like roaring their support behind Cody as he goes around the ring. It might work in this new context. 
I have a pretty reasonable concern here. AEW's prop department is woeful. It's absolutely <laughs> woeful. The people they hire to help with the props and the stunts, i.e. Revolution 2020, they suck too. So their contacts suck and their in-house sucks in terms of the props. They trust and believe in the intelligence of their audience. So they hopefully, cross my heart, hopefully will trust them to remember which they can count to four. We can all count to four. <laughs> they can hopefully remember and just treat their audience with respect that they can remember which corner has been touched, right? I don't want to see any light here, bollocks. That'll probably be <laughs> faulty because AEW made it. Like their props suck. Everything about this promotion rules virtually apart from their props. I hope I don't see any cheap, like, lighty up things. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've got a very TNA quality to them at times, AEW. I do not need to see anything like it. Cody wins. Cody gets a hero's welcome, by the way, which I think people have debated quite fiercely over, over how over he's going to be. Nope, he's going to get a hero's reception. He's going to win. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be very good, provided they don't use any rubbish props. Yeah, the, the, the difficulty with that as well, sometimes, and, you know, WWE's had this problem as well when I vaguely remember some of those god-awful touch-the-four-corners matches where they're struggling to touch the corner and whoever's on production just, do, just goes, that's close enough. And it's just like, oh, that corner's already lit up now. There you go. But I, I would not be surprised considering AW's, let's say, yeah, as you said there, iffy track record, Cody touches all four corners of the ring for sodding explodes. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> any predictions for tonight? Uh, more just to sort of, like... On Cedric's point, there, the worst thing about those lights that WWE have included is the whole. I don't like this strap stipulation, I never had. I wanted AEW to do with the strap what they're doing with the cage, which is just simplify it and make it what it's all about make it about the violence and the fight rather than this like this added on pro wrestling nonsense. But the worst thing about the light is every single strap match forever and ever and ever and ever and ever finds the baby face secretly touching a turnbuckle while the heel cockily walks around and doesn't think to check. Like, asking a heel not to check that there's three massive green traffic lights behind him mm. made the heel look even stupider. So that's another reason not to sort of, like, overcomplicate this and dress this up more than it needs to be. Um, when they say, when they say, uh, touch them in order, four unbroken, blah, 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 blah. Oh, we'll allow you to do touch three and then hit a finisher and then you can touch a fourth quarter. Yeah, <laughs> that's... Hang on. The, the baby face gets the win by kind of breaking the fundamental rule of it. It's, it I, I never, ever like the stipulation, ever. Um, and yet there are great strap matches. So it's one of them, what, like good like good WWE cage matches that are rare, they, they can exist. Um, you need good heat, which I have no doubt this will have. I think Cedric's bang right. I think Cody's going to get an, like a massive response. The difference, I think people are seeing, they've been like disappointed with Cody's booking or some of his decisions and all that sort of stuff. I think that gets washed away in the short term at very least. I think Cody needs to have the kind of year he's had in front of crowds before said crowds start to turn on him. I would love his entrance jacket to be that giant woolly camel coat he wore on night one in Daly's place, like when he was just all suited up thinking, what the hell are we going to do? And then that's what he wears tonight. And he takes it off and he's got that jacked wrestler body because he's had a few weeks off. Like he's been doing weights with the new baby, something like that, at the bicep curls. Um, Cody wins. Uh, I, I think I want this to be simpler in its construction than to have the various stable mates come and cause chaos. There's going to be that elsewhere on this show. Uh, AW's not been the most polished with its agenting of these type of scenes and one can dilute another and I don't need much more Nightmare Family mm. uh, Nightmare Factory stuff. I'd just like to see them both take a whipping and Cody get the win to like tie a bow on it. I, like, 
honestly, this feud probably hasn't reached its potential in terms of star making. So just give it a nice, like a nice happy ending. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Cody's going to win, especially with our boy Anthony a go go stuck on this side of the pond. What's like one final thing before we move on, Sid? Just like conspiracy theory. I was thinking watching the road to well worth checking out, of course, on AW's YouTube channel. I realise Cody's obviously been quite busy recently, so maybe that excuses it or, or explains it. Maybe less excuses it. But I was watching the video, and obviously, you know, his, hair, his hair's changing, dye, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But also, I noticed he didn't have, and I'm not. I don't want to sound like you know your old old school get a tan wrestling people, but he looked more pale. As sort of did QT Marshall. Do you think they've had some sort of gentleman's agreement and gone? Well, the welts will look even better because I know from personal experience. Anything on me bruises up beautifully. If I was a professional wrestler, which I never will be, thank goodness, um, I, I'd they'd be they, I'd be the, the, like Seamus on steroids in terms of selling welts and what have you. Do you think there's that that possibly is a thing, or am I just reading far too much into this? It could possibly be a thing. The only bit of counter evidence to that would be, you know, I'm a Cody guy. He's very clever. The guy dyed his hair black before a um the chain match. Dog collar match. Dog collar match. It's like, you're going to bleed in that. Like, you've got blonde hair. <laughs> I know you like the Superman thing, but, you know, just keep your hair blonde. Mercifully. <laughs> it probably didn't matter because the blood just evaporated in that heat in uh, Florida during those months. But, you know, come on, Cody. You're, you're smarter than this. You are smarter than this. So, yes, hopefully he's learned that lesson. Mm. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, before Hamlet, we get to, we'll save that for a little while, the uh, MJF stipulations, because I've just been reliving that again. As I said, we're re-watching the lashings and him going... I mean, in the words of one of our favorite tag team, come on, take a swing. Please just hit me so I don't have to wrestle you, basically. All right, I'll kick you in the bollocks if you're not going to do it after I've strapped you 10 times. Uh, Before we get to his stipulations for Chris Jericho, there's also a trios match tonight. It is the, well, what is left of, well, not always what is left, actually, Paul. I don't mean to be harsh on uh, the members missing out on this match. But the inner circle versus the pinnacle, Jake Hager, Santana and Ortiz with Conan in their corner versus... Wardlow and FTR with Tully Blanchard in their corner. Uh, Obviously, the story here is the similarities, yet differences of Santana and Ortiz and and an FTR. And the same applies to to Hager and Wardlow. They're going to beat the piss out of each other, aren't they, these six? Yeah, uh, I'm so, so unbelievably ready for FTR versus Santana and Ortiz. And I feel like I'm being made to wait a little bit with this match. That's like a that's counting against this match for me. There's a lot of like about all six of them. I thought the promos last week, um, particularly oddly enough, from Hager Santana Ortiz in that little like outside bit. Like, I thought they came across really well. Like I, I believed again that there was still a rivalry to be had after like the inner circle had just had their number over and over again. I was kind of dragged back into it a little bit. Um, but I'm just really, really ready for the tag match and this feels a little bit like the diluted version. Uh, hopefully we'll get plenty of fun with whatever Tully Blanchard and Conan get up to on the outside. Uh, I've, I think we've had the best Hager and Ward, like Wardlow interactions you're going to get, honestly. I think they're, in terms of what they can do against one another, it peaked in the MMA rules match. I, honestly, I know like it wasn't for everybody, but I loved it. And I, I don't think anything within the confines... I, I welcome being proved wrong, but I feel like nothing within the confines of a six-man that is ultimately there more to build up the other feud. Like, I wouldn't get too excited about the Wardlow-Hager stuff tonight. I think it's going to be about just these little moments, these little snatches of what to expect from the from a tag match that already feels awesome and it's not happened. Um, see, I'm, I'm not mega, mega into this, but I feel like it's there to just give us a shot window for the, for the big tag match that we're going to get down the road. Yeah, I'm into it as a taste, just to go back on the Everise theme, get a taste of um, that incredible prospect of a tag team match. Um, here's what I think is the cause behind this, right? This is Miami. We've got Conan. I don't think the books, this amphitheater to get a Conan pop, but you know, it kind of works to get FTR over, um, sorry, Santana and Ortiz, um, the W here. I like the fact that they're doing this match because a lot of times, I mentioned this on the review last week, a combination of wrestlers, sometimes, even though they might have the best dynamic, the best chemistry, the best sort of difference in characters and styles, if they haven't road tested it on a house show loop, sometimes the matches are a little bit awkward and clunky. If for no other reason than to be functional, to guarantee the quality of the actual tag team match, I'm into this. I'm into a tease of it because I think it'll be great. Fight for the Fallen is in three or four weeks' time. So there's Road Rager, the two fighters, and Fight for the Fallen. Fight for the Fallen is in North Carolina, which is the home state of each member of FTR. If this match is building to that match, then 
Perfect. Perfect booking. Um, I love the story behind FTR and Santana and Ortiz. I love the way that they've articulated their similarities and differences. And bang, bang, bang into it. If they don't do that match in North Carolina, I'll be pissed off. It's just, it'll be molten if they do. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you thinking anything with, uh, obviously, aside from the reactions, thinking anything regarding Conan and Tully? Obviously, they had the, the, the face-off last week and the, the attack. Was that last week or was that two weeks ago? I, might have, I can't remember. Last but week was the, the showdown, yeah. Hmm. What, 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 do you think there's going to be any interaction between the two of them or are they just going to... Just gonna... I mean, they're there. They're conspicuous on the graphic. Um, and look, I don't mind like two managers on the outside going 50-50. <laughs> like, it's not quite the same as what WWE does. So if Conan can bitch slap Tully <laughs> in Miami, like that'll get a massive, massive, massive pop. So why the hell not? Um, Chris Statlander, Orange Cassidy, they will be teaming up to take on the Blade and the Buddy. How are you feeling about this one, Hamlet? Oh, not much about really. Um, I think the match could be half decent. I think it might be like nice second series that I think it might be a bit of a sleeper hit. I think there's been evidence to support that lately in ring, especially uh, the Bunny and Chris Statlander. I just feel like they're going to want. Uh, um, I think they're going to want to take this from the men who have ultimately kind of been given the program. This best friends like mm. stuff has been, it, it remains more about them. And I think Statlander and the bunny will be the ones that want to dominate the conversations after the fact. So I'm like way more interested in their exchanges. Blade looks awesome. He's an absolute piece. So mm. you got something to look at when they're wrestling, but like, I, it's just, it's just a story's proper bland, man. Like really, really, and like we've talked at length on these podcasts when it comes to sandwiches, I love them bland, but like not the AW mid card. Like there's got to be a bit more spice to it, and I just I don't know. It feels like I don't know what Orange Cassidy, Cassidy's doing this low on a card where crowds are back. It just it all feels like they've stumbled again with with his presentation. So I'm like I'd, I'd love it if like his return to audiences over delivered, because um, I'm just not that excited on the way in. I mean, it's going to over-deliver purely because he's going to get the pop. He's going to get an absolute yeah. mega pop. He remains totally over. Double or nothing. All but prove that. This is going to be a total over-delivery because of how popular Orange Cassidy is. I'm going to inhabit the spirit of a bad faith idiot. Who's bloody feeding with you? I'm confused by dynamite because <laughs> maybe it's just a one-week setup with the wingmen. Maybe the reception to the wingmen made people in AEW's Corridors of Powers realise, oh, it's a bit too grabby, um, a bit too... But to kitsch that one, maybe shelve it. Like the Hardy family office have already got like a feud going on with Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. I'm not for one goddamn second ever in my goddamn life suggesting that you can only feud with one person at a time. But it just feels a bit like all over the place in a bad way. Kind of not anti-deft dovetailing. Like it's just a bit unfocused. And a bit, you can have, and I would prefer all of these foods to be going on, unfolding at once. None of them are particularly good. But a victory for Statlander and Cassidy for you. No, doubtlessly, doubtlessly. Uh, before we get to MJF, and we are going to get to the fireworks factory, I promise. Before we get there, though, um, I haven't had a chance really to talk to you about this because obviously I was off for a role preview and review uh, of Dynamite last week. But uh, the wheels have started turning on that whole Kenny Omega 
uh, Hangman Page thing. There was even a thread on Twitter explaining it to everyone who haven't already been listening to our podcast for the last 18 months, because we've been saying it from the beginning. But anyway, I'm not going to get upset about that. Um, could this week be the week that Hangman Page confronts a man who, well, his, his facial hair made me feel things I didn't realise I could feel about Kenny Omega. All of the elite, to be perfectly honest. All of a sudden... I had an un, un, unnerving affinity with those boys all of a sudden after I, what I witnessed last week. And I can only imagine how you guys reacted to that on the pod. But is this the week? Yes, uh, Sidge, that, that Hangman Page steps up or is he still sort of afraid of his own shadow? I don't think he steps up this week. Um, on that thread, me and Hamful were having a bit of a whine about it um, on WhatsApp last night. Because it's, like, it's nice that the guy has gone to the trouble and it's nice that people are recognising how good it is. We've gone into more detail of these podcasts. It's a nice primer for people who don't know. If you do, you get the best insight and you get your deepened engagement from this very goddamn medium. Right? I go onto his thread. You know, it's his like, uh, you know, explanation of, of this long-term storytelling with uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. And underneath, should I just reply a link to subscribe to our podcast? Don't. It's nice that he's done this. It's nice that people are thinking. It's nice that people have tagged yeah. us in it, right? It is. It's all very nice. Everyone's coming around. Um, <laughs> problem is, we've been doing it better on the podcast. And not only that, but I described it a handful. It's like, oh, crisis went. Deftones released White Pony at school and other people are getting into them. I shouldn't be. I'm not 16 years old anymore. I want this to be so big that AEW has to go Christ we'll have to do baseball stadium, a pretty American football stadium for this match. That's how big I want it to be. That's going to be known as the goddamn analyst of the story. Right. <laughs> anyway, anyway, look, here's the thing. They're not, I don't think, going to do it on a dynamite, no matter what it's suffixed as it's happening at All Out. I'll be pissed off if it doesn't happen at All Out. Look at the history of All Out. That means there are weeks to go. There are still challenges to go. What I'm arriving at here is that Hangman Page has to suffer one more crisis of confidence. Right? It's just this wonderful thing of you want the guy to be there. You want the guy to believe in himself because he's done so well to get over as a sympathetic baby face. And yet... You don't want it to happen now. It still feels that little bit too soon. And they want you to think that it's still happening a little too soon. This is perfect episodic television that I can analyze it, but I can't write it. So I can't tell you where it's going. I can only tell you what I thought about it after the fact. Yeah, I, um, I don't think he's going to confront him either. I, th I thought last week would have been better ended. Like they, they established a better cliffhanger not returning to Hang One Page in the Dark Order after Kenny Omega's remarks. Like, it was great. It was brilliant. Like, the, it, a lovely moment where the Dark Order told Hangman Page it's time for you to believe in yourself and all that sort of thing. But I thought that was for this week or for the weeks to come because it was such an awesome moment when his name was finally dropped. When the Dark Order walked out to confront Kenny Omega and it was that proper Michael Scott, something's happening. Like, you just knew that. And that would have been enough. I think for the week, I think, yeah, this this requires now just a delicate touch. And I have absolute faith that AEW are going to continue to deploy that. Um, what I am interested in is this potential last fall for Hangman Page. We talk about this last hurdle that is going to make him doubt just when it seems as the Dark Order has ratcheted his confidence up to 11, something else knocks it back down again. How they use Page in front of a crowd, because in a way, the amount of stuff 
about the storyline that's taking place in Daly's place has been to AEW's advantage. Crowds, and it's fun, it's part of wrestling, but when crowds pick up on things and feel things, as many who have read this excellent primer thread um, will have done that. Like, it sort of gives the game away a little bit sometimes. It, um, you know, they're going to, like, Kenny Omega's going to defend his title and his, like, whoever, against whoever. Let's say Christian Cage. And there might start being chance for Hangman Page from a less engaged audience because they want that match instead or something along those lines. Like, it's going to be an interesting challenge to see them do this again in front of an audience, an audience that are mm. trained to pick up on the stuff. Like, Hangman Page is going to rest in front of a live crowd again. And based on what happened to Double or Nothing and Brian Cage, get one of the reactions of the night. Like, be absolutely received as a main event or as a top guy. But it was so expert in having him open the show. I think as we talked about this at the time, you separate him from Kenny Omega completely. You put him in a match where he's allowed to feel confident because it's almost like there's not really very high stakes. You know, like how Hangman Page adapts to the suddenly being stakes again amongst a crowd that view him as a number one contender on a match that's higher up the card. I think that's an interesting challenge for them. I, I really want to see him in front of a live audience. Um but I feel like they might make us wait for that as well. I'm sure he'll get a match on Dark or he'll get something for the live crowd. You'll, they'll get to see him in his gear wrestling. But something backstage where he tries to avoid the inevitable, I think is the way to go, like just for the time being. I would very much appreciate them remaining careful with this just because the names have now been uttered. It doesn't mean that we need to have to race to the match graphic. Yeah, just very quickly, as I'm sure you prepared for this, looking at the rankings uh, as of end of June. It's number yeah, one, Paige. Paige is number one, as, as it was alluded to. Um, and we've got just under two months. September 5th is all out. So, yeah, may there may still be some uh, roadblocks and some twists and turns in this story in uh, in the interim. I feel like that might even be necessary, like you say, to... to not necessarily throw people off the scent, Hamflood, but not make it so hmm. obvious in the terms of the direction. A quick word on the facial hair I mentioned earlier. I know you've talked about it before, but I'd love to know your reactions last week. All of them, just incredible. Like, absolutely. I don't mean the wrestler, just incredible. They might as well have done his poses, as obnoxious as they looked. Uh, absolutely amazing. Like, every single one of them. We were... Um, it was my first day back in the What Culture office last week, and myself and Cedric Murray were just fantasy booking the stupid ways they could use their facial hair. Like all of them, with I imagine them to have that spray that we saw Jermaine Jackson spraying on his head in Big Brother that time. Like they could all woolly willy their own faces. If they want big, like sort of Hogan stubble underneath a bleached mustache, they could do it. They could have half beards. They could have like one sideburn on, one sideburn off. Like. I welcome all that experimentation. Look, if I had the facial hair to be able to do that, I certainly would, and I don't, and I don't have it in a can either. Like they should treat themselves. It's the thing is, you can't magically grow it, and they are reducing it. I'm looking for a pencil tonight. <laughs> look at this magnificent heel work because they look like absolute complete dickheads that you want to punch. <laughs> it's, it's funny enough that they get like even through the varying stages of facial hair growth, they get storytelling and character development and just this descent into total megalomania more than WWE do. And people think, uh, people thought Kenny Omega wouldn't get this. Fools. You it, fools. A, a the, the fact that they've just sort of been hiding this in plain sight, if that makes sense, in terms of just, oh, you're just growing facial hair, and then one week, bang, right, we're all going to shave it in different ways or what have you. And B, I could only imagine... <laughs> what it must have been like around Kenny Omega's when he did that. Like, there we go. People go, oh, you mean like, like Triple H? He's like, no, like, 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 like
I don't think he. I don't think he says Holly Race. And I'm not. I'm not bloody anyone to disagree with him, but I don't think we'd have hated that comparison. I think he might have wanted both. Mm. Right, we're here now, Sage. What? I, I, it's my favourite thing. I just. I've decided having a, a trip down memory lane with the, the the hoops that Cody had to to jump through to get to to MJF. My new favourite thing is yeah, his stipulations. There's a face to face advertisement tonight. MJF and Chris Jericho basically. MJ, MJF will set these tasks, if you're unaware, that Chris Jericho has to complete or, you know, survive or whatever it may be to then get a match with MJF, which I think then if MJF wins, I, I read somewhere Chris Jericho has to leave him alone. Is that technically the, the right term, Sage? Uh, no. Um, there's loads of routes that can take. Personally, I'm going to take a facetious one and a serious one. They need something massive for Arthur Ashe. Like they need something gigantic. This whole entire storyline has been premised on the idea that MGF is taking his spot, Chris Jericho's spot specifically. Um, not just a top star, he wants Chris Jericho's spot. He can formalise that by saying, career's on the line. Your career is going to be on the line. Um, maybe it's a long way off, Arthur Ashman, then you've got these stipulations, that's the beauty of this uh, dramatic device in that you can prolong this as long as possible because You've got an baked-in, inbuilt reason to hold off doing the match because the match can't happen unless Chris Jericho does X, Y, and Z. It's a great tactic. Um, I welcome MGF doing this for the next 25 years. It's great yeah. because so often there's like, why aren't we doing the match? Remember we ruined Skip Sabian versus um, Trenton Chuck Taylor. Mm. Oh, you make a match and you've got a match graphic handy. Um, when there's a ball on dynamite, why are you doing this match? I, I just want to get over with. So, uh, wrestling has to be careful in terms of well, why isn't it happening now? MGF's got the perfect reason for it to not happen now, so that's potentially one, and it's legit as well. Like Chris Jericho might just want to be on Fozzy, he might have thought his job's done here. Personally, I don't think he'll ever retire until his body tells him to because he likes hearing Judas too much. But <laughs> you could end up winning that match, it's a big way to sell a match. I talked about this on the podcast the other week, but legitimately, if nothing else, MGF should use this as a little bit of a uh, haha, just kidding at the end. Right, we'll have a match, but you're not allowed to come out to Judas because I'm sick of you um, being a mark for your own song. You have to just come out to um, silence. Or you maybe come out to my old theme or something like that. That's legitimately something he should at least use as a joke. Mm. Because Chris Jericho would be like, don't know if I want the match. Gotta have Judas. <laughs> Gotta have Judas. Uh, basically... They know their continuity, continuity in that company. Uh, they want things to be bigger, better every time. They are going to look at those old Cody stipulations and think, well, I have to be as good as them. They have to be as good as them. So I've got no doubts this will be incredible TV. Great promos, obviously, as well. Yeah, so just to clarify, the, the Cody stipulations, if I remember rightly, was obviously the 10 lashings, the match with Wardlow in a, inside a steel cage, and you're not allowed to lay a finger on MJF. Is that yes. correct? Yes, yes. Follow that amplet. <laughs> well, I, like we talked about this last week, I love the Judas one because um, I, I love the idea of like, and it's not, it's it's something we kind of all talk about on the side, but it's in character as well. When MJF formed the pinnacle, he talked about how like sickened he felt basically having to live with Chris Jericho's vanity and his ego every day. So I hope he stays in that direction. I want to specify that I'm cutting this promo through the mouth of MJF, not saying this myself. I want him to just toss off a line like, well, first you're going to have to lose 40 pounds. Like, or something along those lines, like, I'm not getting in the ring with you. 
and like risking my career against like some guy that's completely out of shape, like and legitimately making him stand on the indignity of Chris Jericho at this point in his career being forced to stand on a scale or something like that because he made loads of those digs about his weight. And it's just something that like they knew exactly how far to go with things that, well, that time all those NBA fans were talking about Chris Jericho when they hadn't seen him in 20 years, for example, um, or cut his hair or something like that, you know, like play, play to like his, like his, his vanity and all the visuals that Chris Jericho, the fact that he is going on tour could be beneficial because these might be things he wants to do ahead of going back on tour with Fozzie. And it's like, this is perfect. It's a bit like, was it Jericho that was wanting to do hair versus hair with Nash on pay-per-view when Nash was leaving to film Punisher? And Vince was like, nah, raw, don't care, don't advertise it, cut his hair. Like, so Jericho gets this and like, you know, could use it. Um, I want him in much the same way, obviously Cody was made to fight, was made to have a match that they could promote. I want MJF to force Chris Jericho to face Sammy Guevara. Um, Ooh, like, him him. like he's just oh, I've beaten him last week like you got to prove yourself against him as well like if you can beat him then maybe you're ready for MJF that sort of thing like makes him have a match Jericho's this like father figure uh, Sammy Guevara put a stipulation on that forces Guevara to actually work in it and then not do a DX thing and rig it like say and Sammy you got to go otherwise you'll be suspended you know whatever They'll, they can think of that to make it legit they're baby faces they shouldn't they shouldn't game the system if they're forced into that and then finally um, as the last one, as like the last sort of trial as MJF, staked dinner two. He's got to sit down and break bread with him again after everything that's happened. Ooh. Like la- last time they had, they broke out into the musical number and they did that brilliant bit where like, was it Jericho? Like he was going <sighs> <laughs> from the top like that, <laughs> like making him go around like staked dinner Breathing two. like an Alexa Bliss uh, avatar. Yeah, <laughs> like just anything. <laughs> <laughs> anything that generates that noise from Chris Jericho again but yeah something that plays into their like the the, the good stuff that they've assembled because not all of it has been great but like at its heights this stuff's been like elite tier stuff so reference that rather than the things that haven't particularly worked I just just thinking whilst you're talking there about things that he may want to do before Igori goes on tour with Fozzie and, and I think they're all great suggestions. The one other thing that I suggest, and it's may, it may be just impossible because it's Chris Jericho. He's kind of one of the most important people on AEW Dynamite, but Cody Rhodes wasn't allowed to lay a finger on MJF. Chris Jericho isn't allowed to speak until their match or so. I don't know. It's a, it's a potential of like, oh, he's saving his throat for the Fozzie tour is the actual reasoning. <laughs> but also, he loves the sound of his own voice, doesn't he? I mean... I've been being told that's it now. Shush. From starting from now, you have to be quiet. I mean, you all know his parents. That's an impossible task, isn't it? So again, sorry, I blanked. Getting your kids to be quiet for five minutes. Oh, is I don't know if it's a developmental milestone, but my beautiful child James is—he's uh, uh, a chatterbox at the minute. Like, <laughs> he's got a curious young intellectual mind. It's fantastic. Um, before five o'clock on most days. <laughs> watch, watch the football with your kids. They said another lie. Another hey, lie. No, I like watching the football. I, I love it. I, I love nothing more than the first ten minutes of the football with the kids. It really is fantastic. It's made this Euros extra special for me, and I've definitely not wanted to rip my own head off and find a telly in another room or watch it on my phone instead of the big screen I paid a fortune for. That's nah, it's sweet, super nice. It's really it's like you want them to be inquisitive. The last thing you want to do is squash their dreams and squash their questions. It's best. It's best yeah, they're not WWE roster members, they're your own kids. But <laughs> 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 I can't get them into dynamite, it better well be football. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but very excited to see what MJF and his stipulations are going to be tonight. Let us know your suggestions and your thoughts on everything we've discussed ahead of WWE. Di- oh, good, I've done it again. AW Dynamite <laughs> Road Rager uh, on Twitter at What Culture WWE. What you say? You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, our NXT Great American Bash review is available right now, and our review of this show will, of course, be available there tomorrow. But for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite Road Rager preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.